We're glad you're here today. Um, if you are a college student, I want you to know that there is a lunch for you at 1240 today, free Mo's. We hope you'll stick around for that and come for that. And Bible study starts tonight called Merge. Um, and the other candid conversation I want to have with you is our church keeps growing. And that's a good thing. And one area that we keep growing in is our children's ministry, um, especially our children's ministry, because y'all take followers, making followers very seriously. And we keep growing in that. And I struggle with the balance of begging people, because I don't want to beg people, but feeling people's call to children's ministry. And so would you just do this for us? Would you pray um, just for our children's ministry that we would find enough volunteers that that's a good thing? Um, that can really invest in those children's lives and that, that our children's ministry will continue to f- uh, flourish. And it really is. And so if, just keep that in the back of your mind if you'd pray for that as we go. And part of what we've discovered is we have a lot of uh, new believers in this church. We have a lot of young Christians who, who sometimes don't always feel like God can use you. And here's my encouragement to you. He can. Because God can use me. And a lot of times people sit there and they go, okay, what about the rest of my life? Can God, God, can God use me? And, or, or we've tried to really unpack last week, if you were here, this idea that it's okay to not be okay. And we said last week that sometimes people come to church and they think everybody's got their life together. Everybody's getting along perfect. And, and we, that's just not true. And the other side of that is sometimes people go, well, the church is filled with hypocrites. And I would go, you're right. The difference is we just know it because the world is full of hypocrites. But God. You see, when God shows up, God takes our mess and makes something beautiful of it. It's a transformation process when we allow God to come in and take hold of who we are. So we describe the transformation process as metamorphosis. That's much like a a caterpillar going into a butterfly. And what I want you to encourage, be reminded of, is sometimes it's okay to be caterpillar soup. That's what we kind of talked about last week through the opening story of Gideon. Caterpillar soup is the phase that when you cut the cocoon um, at just the right moment, soup pours out. Because the caterpillar breaks down its DNA down back to original cells and then God builds up something brand new. So it's not just a caterpillar losing its legs and then growing wings. It breaks down into something new and becomes something beautiful. And you need to understand that it's okay to be soup. But God doesn't want you to stay soup forever. So then the question is, if it's okay to be soup, caterpillar soup, what do I do while I'm soup? You trust the process. You trust the process that God wants to do something amazing in your life. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, when you are soup, you may not feel beautiful. (laughs) Okay, you know that. You may not feel like God is doing something wonderful. You may feel broken. This last week, I had numerous of you come up to me and say, hey, thanks for that. I'm soup. And I want to go, thanks for telling me. And I'm really sorry. And we're going to help you through that. And that's an appropriate way to do that. I think it's very appropriate to tell one or two people, uh, to tell your small group, hey, I, my life's a mess. I would caution you to be careful. Don't, don't go around telling everybody your soup because the world will use it for their own devices. But when you're soup, find the appropriate way to communicate it and let the church love you through it. Let the church pray you through it because ultimately our goal is to point you to Jesus, to let him be the healer and the one who gets us through it. And I want you to trust the process. Spoiler, that's the end. I want you to trust the process of deliverance and of rescue. And the process of deliverance starts with giving your battle to God and sitting in his presence. So spoiler alert, the battle belongs to the Lord. That's where we're going. 
The battle belongs to the Lord. So how do we trust the process? What is oppressing you? What is keeping you back? What is the, the difficulty in your life that's keeping you from experiencing life to its fullest? To keeping you from your relationship with God that you hope to have? And in that process, I want you to understand that we need to wait and look for his way. Now when God called Gideon, and God, Gideon was threshing wheat. For those of you who weren't here last week, he was threshing wheat in a wine press. And he was the youngest of the youngest tribe. He was the least of the least. Maybe that's how you feel like right now. But God wants to use you, okay? So when Gideon began to feel the formation of God take hold in his life, he began to see God build on that. What he began to see was God began to do some amazing things. He asked him to go and destroy this altar. So he didn't go in the middle of the day. He went at night. And God still uh, delivered him as the people rose up and said, Hey, we're mad at you. And, and okay. He then said, Okay, God, I think you're with me, but I want to make sure you're with me. So he, he put out a mat. And this mat in the next morning came out. And the mat was completely dry. And the, the ground was soaking wet from the dew. And then he reversed it and asked God, Okay, that's pretty cool. Can you do the reverse? And I would caution you not to test God that way. But he put the mat out. And the mat then was wet. And the ground was dry. And that's pretty cool. And so he's like, Okay, I'm ready to go fight the battle. And we pick up the story in Judges chapter 7, verses 2 through 8. Because the key to the battle is we need to wait and look for God's way. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many troops for me to hand the Midianites over to them, or else Israel might elevate themselves over me and say, My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the troops, Whoever is fearful and trembling may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 of the troops turned back, but 10,000 remained. Pause, pause right there. Okay. We discussed last week that they had camels, that they were uh, as numerous as the grain of sand. You're going to see that again in a minute. That it was a big army. I'm not a math expert, but I think 22,000 is more than 10,000, right? Some of you, yeah. yeah. So when 22,000 people leave, I'm sitting there going, okay, God, <laughs> I got it. You're going you're gonna to have to fight this battle, but I've still got 10,000, and I'm starting to get a little nervous. Then the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many troops. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And if I say to you, this one can go with you, he can go. But if I say about anyone, this cannot, one cannot go with you, he cannot go. So he brought the troops down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, separate everyone who laps water with his tongue like a dog. In other words, bends over and, and drinks the water. Separate them, and do the same with everyone who kneels to drink. The number of those who lapped with their hands to their mouth was 300 men. And all the rest of the troops knelt to drink the water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with 300 men who lapped the hand of the Midianites over to you. But everyone else is to go home. So Gideon sent all of the Israelites to their tents, but kept the 300 troops who took the provisions and their trumpets. The camp of Midian was below them in the valley. Wait a minute. We went from 32,000 to 300. And I've, I'm uh, Gideon at that moment. I'm sitting there going, God, who do you think we are? The Spartans, right? I mean, are we going to really go and fight this battle with 300 men? I mean, these aren't like trained warriors. At least the Spartans had trained their whole life for battle. These were guys who were just farmers who, by the way, were probably hiding and growing their own wheat and their own wine presses and their own fields, right? How on earth is God going to do this? It's a reminder to us 
That when God goes before us and he fights our battles, when he goes before us and he helps us to conquer that which is oppressing us, he does it in a way that reminds us that he is still on his throne and that he is God and that we can't do it without him. That doesn't make it easy. Because here's what it looks like in my own life, okay? I'm, I'm going around my life, and I'm sitting here going, okay, I want to see how God is going to do something amazing. Have you ever been there? I want to see how God is going to do something amazing. And we've heard the stories. In fact, I can share with you a story that happened in my life. And this is the story we long for, okay? When I was uh, newly married, um, my wife and I had a pool. Some of you heard this before. The pool had a problem, had a crack in it, and we had no money to fix the pool. We had to fix the pool because otherwise the ground was going to raise the pool up and it was going to make our backyard a big mess and the time would come to resell it. Everything was falling apart. And that's a long story to say. When we got the, uh, that, the estimate for how much it was going to cost to fix the pool, it was going to be $5,000. We had $23 in the bank. And I remember going... I don't know what to do. So I started formulating my plans. I was going to call my parents, ask for a loan, all this stuff. And the next day, I got a check in the mail from Emily's grandfather who said, I want to have you inheritance earlier. And the check was made out for $5,000. I love the power of God in that moment. So here's what I do. I sit there and I go, God, you're awesome. And then the next time I go into a battle, the next time I have a struggle, it doesn't have to be about money, right? It can be a worry. I go, I want a miracle like that. And you, go, and you go to God and you go, hey God, this is what I'd like my miracle to look like. I need a check for $4,231 this time. Go. God, I, I want this. I want you to show up in my kid's life. I want you to, to show up in my workspace. I want you, and here's what I want the miracle to look like. Here's what I found. It is very, very rare in the United States of America for us to be able to, to say, this is how I want you to move God. And have God move that way. And part of it, this is Daniel Barry's opinion, so there's room for disagreement here. I always try to be very... Part of it is I think the name it and claim it pastors in the United States of America have perverted the gospel so much that I don't think God allows himself to move in that way in our country like he might in other places of the world. Does that make sense? So here's what this looks like, is sometimes we sit there and go, God, here's how I want you to fight my battle. Here's how I want to be rescued. Go. And God's sitting there going, I'm not a fast food restaurant. And if you sit there and you go, this is how you want me to deliver you, I want you to know that I have a better way. And maybe you should stop asking for me to do it the way you want it, because your way is so small and your way is so... uh, Focus on yourself that you're missing out on the real blessing of knowing what it means to really trust in me. Let me surprise you with the way that God wants you to see how he's moving. Here's the other part of that. When God does do something miraculous in your life, when God gives you victory over the battle that you're fighting, he does it in a way that helps you see him. Because God's calling in your life is always going to be used to help you or someone else draw closer to God. And so if you sit there and go, God, this is what I want, and he does it, he might not give it to you because he knows you aren't going to give him the glory. It's going to be about, man, my faith was awesome. I am God's favorite. And you might hide that under the mask of pretense of having it be a good holy thing, but it's not about God, it's about you. So maybe somewhere along the line, we need to pause and we need to say and ask this question. If something is oppressing you, 
Do you trust him enough to get out of the way so that he can do what he wants to do through you? That is a hard question to ask. Do you trust him enough to get out of the way so that he can do what he wants to do through you? So what does that look like? Well, in trusting the process, you got to listen. Listen for the confirmation of how God wants to move in your life. Listen for what he wants to do. Because it's okay if you're not okay. It's okay if you're soup. But God doesn't want you to stay in the cocoon forever. His arms are wanting to wrap around you right now. But he doesn't want you to stay there forever. You need to be okay with staying there for as long as he wants. Because punching holes in the cocoon too early is going to spill out and make everything a mess. Finding your escape somewhere else is not going to help. So there's a balance of you don't want to stay in the soup too long, but you also don't want to punch out too early. You know what I'm saying? You want to trust that God is working in your life and trust the process. So how do you know? Well, you listen for the confirmation. Judges 7, 9 through 14 says this. That night the Lord said to him, Get up and attack the camp, for I handed it over to you. That's great, God, but remember you only gave me 300 people. <laughs> but if you're afraid to attack the camp, go down to, with Pura, your servant. Listen to what they say, and then you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he went down to Pura, his servant to the outposts of the troops who were in the camp. Now the Midianites, the Melchalites, the Odomites had settled down the valley like a swarm of locusts. How many do we have? 300. Oh yeah. And their camels, remember camels are like tanks in this time, were as immeasurable or as innumerable as the sand on the seashore. They were kind of outnumbered. And when Gideon arrived, there was a man telling the friend about a dream. And he said, listen, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp, struck down a tent, and it fell. The loaf turned the tent upside down so that it collapsed. And his friend, quite the friend, mind you, said, this is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has handed the entire Midianite camp over to him. You know, there's nothing quite as awesome as the moment you realize the battle is over before we ever start it. Is that right? But here's what I want you to realize. Whatever the battle is in your life, it's already over. If you give it to God. Every single battle. You may have to walk through the process, but God has a way and a plan. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to turn out like you want to. It doesn't mean that everything is going to come in to be cake and ice cream. It doesn't mean that God allows people to make stupid choices, right? I'm the king of that. God allows people to, to sin if they, if they want to. I don't understand it, but that's just part of the life. But in the end, God has a plan. And for those who follow God's plan, the victory is secure. In other words, let me put it to you like this way. The world, the best that the world can do is kill me. And if they kill me, I actually win. Why? Because I get to go spend forever with God in heaven. So what do I have to fear here and now? Nothing. The battle has already been won. What battle do you need to give over to the Lord? You might not know how to defeat the enemy. Good. That means you lean into God more. What is your struggle that you need to give to God today? 
Sam Soup. Yeah, I've been there. How is God going to make something beautiful out of this? He will. Trust the process and listen for the voice of God. So Gideon had an advantage. God sent an angel to actually speak to him. We don't often get that. In fact, if you tell me that an angel spoke to you, I'm probably going to talk to you a long, long time. Long, long time. But how does God speak to us in this world? The voice of the God comes through several ways. One is in Scripture. When in doubt, trust the Scripture. If the Scripture says one thing, and your best friend who you think loves God says another, go with the Scripture. The Scripture trumps what other people say. Why? Because it's God's Word for us to show us how to live. Fair enough? That's why we don't care what culture says. We, we're going to go with what Scripture says because that's God's Word. Fair enough? Second thing, uh, a way we hear about the voice of God is other people pointing to God. This is called the church. It's the testimony of broken people who have been transformed. We gather in, we, we, we gather with a group of people who sit there and go, I'm struggling with this. And, and they sit there and go, God will bring you through it. And they go, how do you know? Because I already went through it. We call this going green spiritually. Recycling the mess of our past. Recycling our soup from the past. And trusting that God is going through it. You realize that no matter what you've gone through, or no matter what you're going through, somebody else has gone through it too. Say, I don't know about that. Oh yeah. For those of you who've been through a divorce, and you feel like the sun's not coming up tomorrow, right? There's that time where you sit there and go, my life feels like it's completely collapsed. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then God has brought you through now to a place where you have joy. Now to a place where you, the sun feels like it's up again. The, the day has sprung new. And I would sit there and argue, okay, now what are you going to do to help those who are going through a divorce get through their darkness? How are you going to point them to Jesus? If you've lost a loved one, if you've, if you've gone through an addiction, if you've gone through a struggle, God can use you as a church to speak not about what you're about, but about pointing about what God is going to do through your life. Because you see, we don't really believe that we have the power to help other people. We believe that we have the power as the church to point to God. And in your life, storms are going to happen. Coming to church is not about escaping the storms. It's not about, I'm going to come and I'm going to capture the power of God and I'm going to leave and everything's going to be good. I'll take one of those, please. That's not how it works. When will life be hard? Yes. When will it get better? When you die. It doesn't mean there aren't seasons of good and the seasons of joy and seasons of laughter, but the power of the presence of God, the purpose of the presence of God is to have peace, to have joy in those moments. And God can use you to help other people. And the third way is prayer. To pause in prayer. To, to really feel like God's arms are around, around you and say, God, help me to know when to go. And there are people in this room who are sitting there going, I don't even know if prayer works. And here's what I would encourage you. God already knows that. <laughs> Isn't that cool? So here's what I would say. If you're sitting there going, God, I don't even know if prayer works, just tell them that. Why? Because praying some prayer that you heard somebody else pray doesn't really, God knows what you're thinking. So if you don't know if prayer works, go, God, I don't really know if prayer works. Would you show me it does? But then don't make a demand. Go, it didn't work. God is not an adult version of Santa Claus. He's way better. Kids, sorry, spoiler alert. God wants you to have joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He wants this life to be full. Trust 
the process. So when you pray, how do you pray? Whatever's on your heart. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving. Tell him what's going on and ask him to move. And then after you've listened for the voice of God and you sit there and you go, well, is this the voice of God or is it not? How do you know when it's the voice of God and when it's just white noise? Sometimes good godly people have given me terrible advice that was clearly not about God. You know? How do you know? You know by this way. God's voice always produces two things. Peace and praise. Peace. Peace and praise. So it looks something like this. In your life, there's going to be storms. We gather together to try to find peace in the storms. We try to lean into each other to find peace through the difficult times. We try to, we come together to where, have you ever been in the situation where you sit there and going, I feel really good and I shouldn't because my life seems to be falling apart. That's God's peace. His presence is in your life in that moment. And we can't do that for you as the church. That's why people church hop. They hope that this church will somehow give them peace. The church cannot give you peace. The church's job is to do what? Point to the power of who God is, to let God change your life, and to exalt each other in praise. The two things we talked about. And so the best the church can offer you is to gather together and say, you're broken, I'm broken. There's a God who can help you. Let's figure this out together. And in the process, we trust that God is giving us the umbrella we need to stay dry in the storm because it's going to rain. Stop trying to act like every day should be a sunny, beautiful, 70-degree day. By the way, it's going to be really hot and humid today, right? And you're sitting here and you're going to complain about it, and then in three months it's going to be 40. And you're going to be complaining about that until three months later it's minus 10. And then you're going to be going, where are the 95-degree days? They're today, people. Enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) That's just how we are. It's like today wasn't perfect. It was 70. I really wanted it to be 69. Stop complaining. Have peace in whatever the day brings. Because God is so good. And you know that you've encapsulated the peace when your mouth espouses praise. Because this is what the church is about. Because God doesn't want to do things the way you want it. He wants to do things in a way that shows you He is God. Judges 7, 15. After you receive confirmation, you're ready to have your peace and praise, you go. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. That's the first thing he did. He praised. Why? Because the battle was already won. But they hadn't even gone to fight the battle. Yeah, he had to get up and go through the motions, but the battle was already won. The peace was there. He returned to Israel's camp and said, get up for the Lord has handed the Midianite camp over to you. I would have been like, whatever, there's 299 of us, bro. What are you on? Right? Then he divided the 300 men into three companies and gave each of the men a trumpet in one hand, an empty pitcher with a torch inside in the other. So a trumpet and a torch, pitcher with a torch. Where do I put my sword? Oh, you're not carrying a sword. I thought we were going to a battle. You don't need it. I thought we were going to a battle. God's weapons aren't the weapons that we often would choose. He said, watch me, he told him, and do what I do. And when I come to the outpost of the camp, do as I do. 
And when everyone is with me, blow our trumpets. You also are to blow your trumpets all around the camp. Then you will say, for the Lord and for Gideon. Why do you say for Gideon? Because the Midianites knew that Gideon was the follower of the Lord. And he declared that. Gideon and the hundred men who were with him went to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch after the sentries had been stationed. And they blew their trumpets. And they broke the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three hundred companies blew and the three companies blew their trumpets and shattered their pitchers, and they held their torches in their left hands and their trumpets in their right hands, and they shouted, A sword for the Lord and of Gideon! And each Israelite took their position around the camp, and the entire Midianite army began to run, and they cried out as they fled. And when Gideon's men blew their 300 trumpets, the Lord caused the men and the whole army to turn on each other with their swords. And they fled to the Acacia house in the direction of Zerah as far as the border of Abel-Molah near Tabith. I love it. Here's how this relates. What's oppressing you? Maybe it's a sin, maybe it's not. Maybe it's something in your life that you need to just trust in God. What's the storm in your life that you wish you had an umbrella for to find peace and praise? Are you willing to give God the glory? Are you willing to say, God, I can't fight this battle? Are you willing to look for unconventional ways to where God shows up and says, see, child, I love you? Then maybe you're ready to go. If not, maybe you need to stay in soup for a while and trust that God's going to bring his way. But when the time comes, it's going to surprise you how God delivers you. It just will. And I hope and I pray that in that time, you're really willing to say, okay, God, it had to be you. But let me just encourage you with this one truth that I really believe will is the victory won't come until you're ready to give praise. It won't. The victory won't come until you're really willing to say, I can't do this without God. I'm not claiming you're going to be rich. I'm not claiming if you're single, you're going to find that perfect spouse who is rich (laughs) or funny. I'm not claiming those things. But what I am claiming is that God's plan for your life is better than you can fathom. So maybe we need to just trust in that. So imagine that you're surrounded because you, you got your other people in the room. Imagine that a room like this is surrounding the valley and your oppressor's down there. And in a moment, we're going to all go, God's with us. And imagine as you watch without ever having to raise a sword, God deliver that. The freedom from the anxiety. The freedom from fill in the blank. Imagine it. And then trust that God will do it. After God delivers you, use the victory to remind everyone that God is the deliverer. Because this isn't a name it and claim it sermon. I want that very clear. This doesn't mean you get the promotion. This doesn't mean that everything you want will happen. But what it does mean is we trust in God's power for your life and his plan for your life is what we need. And God doesn't want you to live a life that's miserable and oppressed. So trust the process. Here's what it is. The Monday morning application. You want to screenshot it? Feel free. Here's what it is. Trust the process of deliverance. Giving God the battle by sitting in his presence. Soup. 
And some of you may need to stay there for a while. That's okay. Get one or two other people to pray with you while you're there. Wait and look for his way. And when the time comes, ask yourself before you go, is it right? Listen for confirmation. Then get up and go and give God the glory. This is how we fight our battles. This is what it looks like to declare God is good. And how I know that God is good is because he sent the son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. Because the ultimate purpose of life is connecting in the relationship with him. And if you've never experienced the power of what Jesus can do for your life, imagine having the presence of God with you all the time. Your best friend who wants to be your best friend, who wants to be your closest confidant, who wants to be your support, who wants to be all these things. Imagine that you can carry that with you. That's what it means to be a relationship with Jesus. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. And the Bible says in order to have that, you have to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead. In other words, he knew you were going to have to fight some battles and he's going to be there with you. And the ultimate goal of this life is the presence of God. If you've never done that, we'd like you to stop by the next step space out there and say, I want to know about how Jesus can be Lord of my life. Christian, why are you acting like you've already lost the war when the war has already been won? It was won 2,000 years ago on a, a little hill called Calvary, which by the way is what we named our church after. And because the battle has already been won, let's stop acting like we're in defeat all the time. It's okay if you're soup. It's okay to not be okay. But will you trust the God of this universe loved you enough to, to find a way to get you out? I want you just to really soak that in this week. And because I want you to do that, I want to do something as we wrap this up this morning. And some of you will hate this and some of you will love it. I know because you'll tell me later. But here's what I want you to, to do. If you don't want to participate, don't. I want us to declare as a group our sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And so what I want us to do in just a few moments is I want us to de declare, and you said, not now, wait for the signal, okay? The battle belongs to the Lord. Just to say those words. And when you say the battle belongs to the Lord, here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine as you're doing it that your enemy is down in the valley. And you're going to watch the enemy scatter and run because the presence of our God is with us. And I want us to declare that our battle has already been won by the power of Jesus. Can we do that? So the count of three, imagine the enemy. Say the battle belongs to the Lord. Ready? One, two, three. The battle belongs to the Lord. And this is how we fight our battle. Praise and seeking him. Father, I thank you for who you are. And I ask that you would move mightily among us today. That you would take our weapons, as feeble as they may be, and show the world of who you are. God, we pray against the spirit of selfishness, of greed, of wanting to just come to faith to see what we can get. We pray against that because we ultimately know that's the exact opposite of what you want us to have. Which is a life poured out into a relationship with you that declares how good you are. And that our fulfillment comes when we give ourselves away. When we trust in you and we trust what it means to follow you. We know that this is what it means to be in your presence. 
So God, show us what that means. For those that are broken in this room, I pray for healing. I pray that they would feel like your arms are wrapped around them like a cocoon, lifting them up. And God, that we as a church will declare, you got this. And we will use the best that we have to show them that you are the victory. And God, this is what we give you today, the best of us, our praise, declaring that this is how we fight our battles.